Welcome back, everybody, to the Hags Hangout Podcast. This is Kyle Hags, Kyle underscore Hags on Twitch.tv, bringing you entertainment for your week, bringing topics that you want to talk about, topics that we want to talk about, and we're probably going to be the ones talking about it because you're not here. Everybody, welcome my esteemed guest, my brother, Timmy. Timmy, say hey. Hey. And on point this week, with great audio, no rain, no hurricanes in his ear, Matt Clark is available this week. Everybody say hey. What's up, guys? And of course, joining me every week, weekly, episodically, my co-partner from my last podcast and my partner for this podcast as well, John Geller. Say hey. Hey. Guys, we have a great episode lined up this week. We're going to delve into some extra topics this week, which will be a lot of fun. We're going to have a special guest later on commentating on it. But first, let me just say to you guys, have you ever been bored when you're playing the same old backyard games at home? When you toss in that cornhole and you toss that beanbag and you just throw it and it hits the board and it slides off and you're like, damn, dude, I don't even know if that's far enough for me to even be talking regulation size. You know what? One game and I'm done. Well, do I have the game for you? Stingers darts. Stingers with a Z. Darts. Game. Coming out soon. Check it out. We got Instagram. We got Facebook. We got Twitter. We got TikTok. Videos abroad. People playing the game. It's a new backyard game. What is it? We got turf, we got a pylon looking post, four different scoring zones, and plastic tip darts. That's right, you can throw darts in a backyard game once again. Patent pending, we are going to be buying the supplies, making sure that they're sellable, so make sure you get to stingers with a Z, darts.com, put your email address in today, check out the videos, check out our Instagram, our Twitter, make sure that you're following us on all social medias, and make sure you're following me at Kyle Hags. Boys, what a week that we have. What an exciting week. For multiple reasons. Let's just start right away with what we know best. And we know wrestling, right? We're all wrestling fans. We're like WWE. We're kind of okay with AEW, most of us. But we had a huge week this week with a lot of special appearances, which we may have some comments about from All Out. Geller, I know you're a huge AEW fan. You're a mark for wrestling in in general. What are your thoughts on AEW this week? Oh man, this week, I mean, all out, it lived up to its name. And I, I really, they went all out this week. And it was, uh, it was their highest. Pun. What is, you're such a punter. I'm, you had the, you, you've had since Sunday to come up with that. And you chose that. <laughs> I run, I do, I'm off the cusp here, guys. I am totally off the cusp. But they, they did a great job. It was a great show and a lot of surprises. Let me ask you something. What was your, what? Were you looking forward to match wise, and then what delivered? Do you think, in your opinion? Oh, it, Punk and Darby Allen. If if you don't say you weren't looking forward to seeing CM Punk get in the ring for the first time in seven years, then you're not a wrestling fan. And um, that match was everything I think you could have hoped it was, and uh, and much more. Listen, I I get it. I'm a seven year strong, waiting for Punk to come back to WWE type of guy. I love it. Um, Darby Allen is probably one of the best talents that they have right now. So I totally understand. And I love the fact that that was the match that not only you were looking forward to, but I think that you know that it delivered. Timmy, did you get to catch any of the AEW All Out pay per view or any of the results from it? As a matter of fact, I caught a bunch of sleep. Yeah, that's pretty good. Was there anything in AEW that not only interests you, but made you want to look up any of the results? Um, honestly, uh, I, I did. It wasn't so much the results, it was. Um... It, going back to our last week, uh, towards the end, because we we had to rush through it. But uh, 
we were talking about who could possibly show up at uh, at All Out because we knew there was going to be a surprise. And uh, going back to my point, I said, well, they're not going to bring in uh, Brian Danielson so close to Punk, and it's only going to be one guy. So it's <laughs> Literally the same Cole. exact thought. Literally, <laughs> literally said the same exact thing. <laughs> so so, uh, so that that's cool that I was completely wrong on that, and they brought both Adam Cole and uh, Brian Danielson. And so that, that was cool. <laughs> I am a full-on mark for Daniel Bryan, and I'm also a full-on mark for CM Punk. And I love Adam Cole, baby. I know that Clark wants to get into this, too. And I just, I don't feel like I was justified by what happened with that. And I know that we talked about, like, maybe possibly having one return and then, like, building up and, like, the conundrum of being like, oh, my gosh, could it actually happen? And, like, the rumbles and grumbles. But listen, man, like I'm with you on that. I didn't expect it. Um, I listen, I'm okay with it, but I just felt like it was like a shoot your load. Clark, I know <laughs> how much of a WWE mark oh, that he's people are. Bits. Um, and I know that you have something that you want to get off your chest. Why don't you take the why don't you take the throne here, buddy? Okay. So as so as everybody has heard over the last few weeks, like Kyle and I are a lot more critical of AEW than Typical wrestling fans. I wouldn't First call myself. Of all, a... you're, you're crystal fucking clear. You're like literally tickling my earlobes right now. This is great. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Well, so like, but that being said, like, there are things in AEW that do like excite me and everything like that. But the problem is, is that what's been being said over the last few days is that All Out was the greatest wrestling pay per view to ever happen. That is wrong. That is, that is completely wrong. We said last week that. Okay, maybe three matches, four matches we're looking forward to, but there was like ten matches on the card. That being said, like the show quality in regards to like the matches, that was nowhere near like a greatest of all time level. But the surprises that make it one of the best overall viewing experiences of the last decade when it comes to wrestling, in my opinion. So like the match quality wise, like it doesn't live up to like a WrestleMania 17. It never will. That's the greatest pay-per-view, in my opinion, to ever have. But in the last decade, yeah, this is one of the more fun experiences I've had watching wrestling. That being said, the most thing that I was looking forward to last week, I said, was CM Punk. And we knew we could talk. I wanted to see, could he still go? And, I mean, he, I think he looked solid. I, he didn't do... The moveset was never, like, anything, like, wow, spectacular. But, like... It doesn't have to be. He's a good. He's a great storyteller. I mean, he made Darby look great. He looked great. I mean, Darby Allen should be the face of AEW for the next decade with MJF and Adam Cole as your top heels. Like that's my biggest takeaway from that match. They both looked great. It was a good match. Punk got out of there without injuries, and that's. I mean, cool. We're gonna see CM Punk wrestle again. The cage match with the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks was phenomenal it's probably the best it was the best match on this card by far it's probably my top three matches of the year right now it's one of the better tag team matches i've ever seen i mean the young bucks thrive in that style i mean compared to like the other matches on the card like mjf and uh uh jericho i think that kind of that fuse kind of fizzled out i was that was like an other disappointment in a finale of a match like that match yeah. was so disappointing it was just <laughs> <laughs> um, it just, it might, maybe it's just that the fact that like we feel like Jericho has like now, sur- like it's it, we're, I'm past Jericho. 
being yep. in the spotlight. So, like, I, I'd imagine you are, too, especially with what his moveset and his ability was in that match. And MJF just needs to go to the next level. He can't just keep staying set in, in this mid-card role but be the ultimate bully on social media and in AEW. Like, I, I, I felt like it didn't deliver as well. So I'm with you on that. Well, spoiler alert, he's now feuding with Brian Pillman Jr., so yeah. we've, we've, we've really elevated from Jericho. Yeah. And Christian Omega and Christian versus Omega, the main event, I mean, it was a good match. They're both really good workers. I think their impact match where Christian won the impact title from him was better. But, I mean, this show was defined and will be remembered for the, the debuts. There right. were three debuts. You have Cole, Adam Cole. You have Brian Danielson, formerly Daniel Bryan, and Ruby Soho, formerly Ruby Riot, and also Heidi Lovelace on the independent scene. Mm. I think that Ruby Soho was the most needed signing for absolutely uh, like the, for the, totally of the three. Yeah. I, think that, I think that was one of the biggest detractants. Uh, um, like the show had no sustenance because its women's division was terrible. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, that was Point. one of the biggest takeaways from from uh, AEW was was their women's division. They 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 said they were going to focus on the women's division, and then they did not focus on the women's division. Yes, right. but I mean Ruby Soho coming in, I think that she was the most needed, like an an inf, an, an influx and infusion of talent in the women's division is what AEW needs. And they need to give them more, the, the, the division as a whole, more TV time. And I think Ruby Soho is great on the mic. She's great in the ring. And I'm excited. Going to, like, the men and their debuts, I think you, I, I mean, I think they're great. But I think they're, there's also some concerns. I mean, Brian Danielson is significant for the short, short term. You're going to have him versus Omega. That's something I need, like, yesterday. It's a match I want to see. And I think he's going to be the one to finally beat Kenny Omega, and I'm all for that. Adam Cole, he's 20. The dude's 28. He's our age. And he is ideally your top heel for the next decade in this company, like I said earlier. But my issue is, is that now he's part of the elite and arguably he's now the third most important thing on the, in the stable behind your, your champion, Kenny Omega and your vice presidents of the company in the young bucks. So like, it's just the idea that I always talk about with AEW. Like, I just feel like there's that there's going to be so much. Like, there's so many guys that get lost in the shuffle here. Like, you have like they need to thin out the rosters. And Tony Khan said in the post interviews that they are going to thin out the rosters, and that's phenomenal because they need to. And the other idea is that I want to see now with all these guys, all these top end guys coming in. I want to see these fan reactions, and I want to see how the public perception of this company is when their favorite guys are starting to be underutilized and they start to lose. If you're booking Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, one of them has to lose. If you're booking Adam Cole versus CM Punk, one of them has to lose. The fans are so behind this product because their indie darlings are finally getting a chance to shine and it's a worker's company. But if you what, what happens when the elite Brian Danielson, Punk, Darby Allen, and the title pictures are dominating all three hours of your TV and guys like Hangman, Jungle Boy, and MJF aren't featured? You know what I mean? So like all these guys who left WWE for lack of appreciation, lack of screen time, lack of storylines are coming to this company and they're going to be buried in the mid card. There's a like, reason why I think that they have to get the talent from WWE that gets scrapped off because they need that type of they need that mentality. They need the workers mentality. They need the mic skills and they need the professionalism. They need the body look because that's how they're going to drive ratings. And I'm not saying that they're going to do it the same exact way. I'm not even thinking that they're going to be building people the same exact way because I think they're going to get into storytelling way better. In fact, some of their storylines are great. Some of them are trash. 
But like when you think about like production wise, okay, like they're getting there. Like they, they're they're telling stories, they're putting it on on good camera, on good TV, on a good network, and they're they're producing more shows and they're yes. getting pay per view buys. Like that's fantastic. That's great. Little brother. AEW is pressing all the right buttons on the wrestling world. Like, we love that. We love competition because Impact was never really a, comp- a competitor. Yes, they had a point in time where they were probably comparable to SmackDown, um, but that's what we're looking at with AEW. What brings you to the next step, right? Getting the best talent in the world that you possibly can that isn't already soaked up and creating buzz so that the, the talent that's even better starts coming, like Kevin Steen, like things like like people that are projected to go th- to this company, people that are not happy in their role. Um, even though people keep saying Finn Balor, which is never going to happen. But um, not only that, but is this enough to get people outside wrestling back or into wrestling? Like, what no. is it that what is it? What is your product presenting to people that are not already into wrestling, getting them into wrestling? And what you're what you're basing your mentality off of right now is the people that want to leave WWE for something better. And that's not enough to to make a sufficient company succeed over years. If that if that is what I could present to this conversation. That but that's the problem is that we've established it throughout the entire time that AEW has been a company throughout the entire time that WWE like in the last decade there's no new wrestling fans being created. There's legacy yeah. there's legacy in kids who watch it because their parents watch it. But there's no new wrestling fans. This isn't the Attitude Era where, like, J- little Jimmy, who's never watched wrestling before, turns on, like, Stone Cold chugging a beer and, like, and, like, stuttering Vince McMahon is like, oh my, and sees a pair of tits and is like, oh my God, like, I need to keep watching this. All right. Things that sold years ago could be the, uh, the envelope to, to, reaching out to those other people inviting them into the world but we don't have that opportunity not only because of restrictions and guidelines that have to be met but you know what i feel like even with aew they have the the okay to be a little bit more risky and 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 take the take advantage of of somebody who's hungry to make a new company overtake the giant right to to go off that point though you know you you're saying if you if you if you did those things again that you know got people into wrestling back in the 90s the attitude era you can't do those things again because people who are already fans you'd be like oh well well, i've seen this already this is boring i don't want to see it and then you go alienate your current audience so it's like you're damned if you do damned if you don't kind of situation Right, but do, can you sustain a business model by only basing it off of the people that are that are currently there, and not anything more? Like, what? How do else do you draw people it's, from the outside yeah, d- in? Diminishing returns is is what it is, and uh, AEW kind of promised that because they uh, because you know WWE went TV PG, which was a whole big thing back ten years ago when when they went from uh, TV I think it was PG thirteen they went to TV PG. Um, AEW is actually rated TV PG-13. Um, so that way they, they promised or are promoting a more... They can show blood. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, they, they can show the blood and they, they promised a little bit more risque than what the WWE is willing to show. They can, they can bring Nick Gage in for a match or two here and there and that's about it. <laughs> that's what we need. Their, their best opportunity of expansion, that's a good point, is, is to incorporate other promotions to bring their product even further into light and the mm. only way that they're going to do that currently is because of their crossover with new japan wrestling that's mm. the only thing that's going to make their ratings go even higher up is because they're incorporating japan wrestling they're not not because of territorial wrestling and not because of of people fighting in ring of honor and getting nick gage from from um uh, from off of fighting 
uh, Matt Cardona. Like that's not going to bring a new crowd, and it's the same crowd that's already watching. So exactly. I mean, like that. Um, but also, you. I think another big problem with uh, with WWE and lo- losing its ratings, uh, and uh, with Raw at least, is um, it, it's on the USA Network. Which yes, uh, a lot of people have cable and everything like that. But the uh, AEW did go like. Uh, SmackDown got a lot of ratings because it's on Fox. That's a big network. That's that's cable. Uh, that's on uh, uh, g- general TV. Um, and AEW's on uh, was it T- TBS TNT 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 yeah. TNT, which is um, I think I think a more accessible channel. So uh, you, you might get an occasional person flipping through the channels and see that it's on because it's also on primetime television. And it's not another big thing, another big detractor for WWE is its time frame of three hours. Um, and it, it just feels like it slogs. And I think it's more easier to chew a wrestling show when it's um, two hours. You know, it's a lot easier to get people to watch your product when you pay people like Logan Paul 50K to go onto your show or when you bring in... Um, yeah. a rock I and mean, roll act, and like, it's like Metallica playing at WrestleMania. Like that, that'll bring eyes onto your products. But not, yes, <laughs> not. But like, uh, no, sorry, but like to that point exactly with AEW. Like they're do they do stuff with Shaq. Like they do stuff yeah. with other TNT shows, TNT and they're shows. hoping that that crossover will bring like, th- like the inside the NBA. Like interviewed Cody Rhodes one night, yep. and mm-hmm. it was just like I'm like it's cool. Like no, but the thing is like nobody cares. Nobody right. new is watching wrestling. It, yeah. That if you're all the if you're theme? already watching TNT, you're gonna be watching TNT. The, if you're not watching TNT, you're not gonna know. During the Wednesday night wars, quote unquote, AEW took a few nights off, like during the holidays. On that night of just NXT, I think like 1.5 million watched NXT. You want to know what that was? It's the fact it's the same 800,000 and same 700,000 that watch every single week. There's nobody new watching wrestling. And not for nothing, like that's the reality of the situation. Bringing in guys from these independent companies do not matter because that fan base is already the fan base that's watching AEW. My biggest thing right now is that it's concerning to me that they keep bringing in guys for these moments for these pops for these crowd reactions for these viral videos for these quote-unquote moments but they're not building what they already have they're just going to keep bringing in they're just going to keep shuffling in yeah, they're going to either people out yeah these top this. these top independent guys or these or these former mid-card slash main event WWE guys. And you're eventually going to have a company where it's going to be the main event scene is quote, could be 25 deep, and you're going to have guys that should be the face of your company, like a Darby Allen or an MJF, or even like an Adam Cole. I am fearful that Adam Cole slips down this card and gets lost in the shuffle because everybody wants to see Kenny Omega versus CM Punk and Kenny Omega versus Daniel, Brian Danielson. And then where does that leave you? I mean, look, Adam Cole is going to be there because his fiance is there and his best friends are there. But if you take another talented young guy from WWE and he and he has that same experience. And uh, final thoughts on this, at least from me and I know from Clark, um, not that because we are more fans of WWE, but we just understand the incorporation of the outside world to get people to view the product a lot better. John, from somebody that does appreciate what they're doing and thinks that it is going in the right direction as, as best as it can. And I don't think that it's going in the wrong direction. I think that they're doing things to be competitive where do you see aew like a year from now i think in a year from now i think i I think they're still chugging along 
uh, doing the thing they're doing now. One of the things that I would really like to see is, and we we talk about this on end, is that the the rosters are getting bloated and all this stuff. And I th- I think the best thing that they can do is a brand split. I don't want to copy you know WWE, but I think you've got so many names that you're either gonna release a bunch of people and then people are gonna call you the chopping block just like WWE. Or you have people that are exclusive to Rampage, people that are exclusive to Dynamite. I think doing that will give everybody, you know, ample TV time and you don't have to have an hour, you know, two hours worth of Kenny Omega every week. You can get Darby Allen his TV time. You can get MJF his mic time, his TV time. I think as a company, they'll do better if they're able to pull something like that off and stick to it. Unlike WWE who like do it for like six months and then blur the lines more and more as time goes on i feel that man um and listen like i we all hope the best we want competition no matter what sport we're watching no matter what league we're watching we want people to succeed we want the people that are that are fully invested in it like the people that are there to succeed um and we can only just hope for the best i just think they blew their load all out and i think that it's uh it's just them trying to catch up too fast but regardless guys you know i i think that if we give it a shot and we and we, we let time play it out, you know, I think AEW is a good comp- competition. I just don't know if it's going to have the sustenance to be able to pace. Yeah, I mean, Kyle, after everything that I've said, like in a, like not against, but towards like in like criticism of AEW at this very moment, I am more excited and I care about at least the wrestlers in AEW and their position and the AEW product more than I did before All Out. And even if I'm the only one like that, at least shows that like bringing in these guys are making at least a little bit of a difference. Right on. No, I feel that. Hey, all you listeners and viewers out there, if you aren't already following me on all social media platforms, it's Kyle Hags, Kyle underscore Hags, at Kyle Hags on Instagram, Kyle underscore Hags on Twitch.tv. Catch me streaming, catch my YouTube videos, and catch all the content that you can get when I'm there, when I'm live, or on YouTube. Appreciate y'all. Guys, let's switch topics a little bit. Um, so we talk about the NFL because we're fans of teams that are in our area, and we're super excited and amped for the season like we do every single year. We get to this point. It's the first week of the year, and stuff happens. Whether it's injuries, whether it's games that we're playing subpar in, whether you don't have an offensive line for seven years, um, you know, things things come up and th- things get challenging for us. Um, for us, being in the tri-state area, we are fans of teams that are mainly over here, uh, maybe a little bit further from the tri Well, I guess Pennsylvania is a tri-state state, right? So Pittsburgh kind of reaches that far, right? But, um, you know, Timmy being a Packers fan, you know, Clark being a Steelers fan, uh, Geller, you being an Eagles fan, me being a Giants fan. Uh, we have our ups and downs, right? But we love our, our teams. We love our teams still, though, right? So, like, we we really we, we enjoy the the rush, the 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 interest that we can get when we garner it. Like, Geller, if I had to ask you, what what do you feel like is something that maybe the Eagles have trouble with or have had trouble with that they could probably overcome this year? Do you have anything like that? Uh, well... Or is it just more trouble? <laughs> I mean, Howie Roseman still has a job, so that's that's something we're not. <laughs> they we're can overcome, have to overcome that. That's what they have to deal um, with every year. Nah, the Eagles. Uh, I think they're a team that aren't going to do as bad as everyone thinks they're going to do. They're not going to make the playoffs by any means, but I don't think they're going to be like a four-win team like they were the year before. We got a new coach. 
Uh, players are buying into what he's selling. You got a second-year quarterback looking to take a big jump. Our wide receiving core is going to be much improved if they can stay healthy. And catch. Is, well, these guys look like they can catch, judging by what I've seen in preseason. <laughs> so far. <laughs> um, but it's a matter of can they stay healthy or are we going to start seeing Travis Fulgham week five, who didn't even make the team. You know, Zach Ertz is still in town, and he's he, you know, he wants to retire in Eagles. So um, I'm sure he has a little bit of a rebound year. I know in the fantasy uh, leagues, everybody slept on him, and he, either, he went undrafted in a lot of leagues. I'm really worried about this defense. We do have a better secondary uh, player-wise, but I haven't seen enough to judge our scheme. I know in the preseason games I watched, we basically just ran four-man rush and zone coverage, and you know whatever happens, happens. Uh, I'm hopeful that you know we can have a good year or something to build off of um, going into next season. That, listen, I totally understand the frustrations that come out of being an Eagles fan, um, especially how passionate the city is. <laughs> I think that you are right square on with um, what you're feeling like is intimidating, uh, being that you need, you need this defense to perform and you need your receivers to respond and you need your head coach to have the camaraderie of your team, how it used to be in 2005 through 2009-ish, 10-ish, 11-ish, uh, those years where you felt like you had uh, a competitive team. Years. Yeah, a competitive team every year. I mean, the offense was really what was up with that. And I know Brian Dawkins was part of that team in that that era. But um, to, like, well, that, Jim, the Jim Johnson led defense was phenomenal in that era. Yeah. That was the need, the change happened when he passed away. You just need everybody to be cooperating on all cylinders. You need special teams to work with defense and, and offense. So right now, you know that you didn't have that in the past two years with the Eagles. And now you're feeling more secure in that aspect. Clark, do you yes, feel like this year will be a vast improvement over what the Steelers had last year? Because it seems like all they do is breed linebackers and cornerbacks. And um, wide receivers. And even running backs get to just salivate uh, because the running game is just unsurprisingly good every single year. What does <laughs> it feel like um, is a challenge that the Steelers could overcome? And what do you think that they still have to, they're still going to be challenged by? I mean, I think, right. I mean, just in the short term, I would like TJ Watt to sign a contract. That'd be great. <laughs> can we just, can we seal this guy up, please? I mean, the Steelers notoriously don't negotiate during the year. So if we go into Sunday without it, I think a deal gets worked out before Sunday, but do I think that like, what can you repeat the question one more time? Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like in general, like what do you think that the Steelers have to be concerned about still? Or what do you think that you were concerned about that they could overcome? Like, is there anything that you saw like was a problem that they addressed that, that you felt like it was necessary? I mean, yeah, I think first off, I mean, we had one of the worst offensive lines last year. And I mean, that offensive the quarterback, I know that pain. I mean, the offensive line is still a problem, in my opinion. I mean, it's my 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 thoughts on it is that we can't get any worse. So like <laughs> we truth. brought in, we lost Mark, we lost uh Pouncey. That's a big loss. We have a rookie center. Now we brought in, um, what the heck is his name? Trey Turner. I think it's mm-hmm. his name. Yeah. The, the guy from the guy from the chargers, um, we lost villain away to the Ravens. That's a big loss. So, I mean, I think we're starting Gilbert on the left side. Now we have a younger offensive line, a more athletic offensive line, but it's still a younger offensive line. We lost some vets that we've had there for a minute. I think drafting Najee was great because like the corpse of James Conner, I was getting tired of watching him take handoffs in the backfield. I was never a James Conner fan. I never was. Loved the story, just didn't love the player. And I think Najee just gives this offense an entire new feel. We have a new we are we have a new OC, Matt Canada. 
He's going to be doing a lot more with motion offense. We're going to have Ben take snaps under center, which he never did last year. So it, it adds the play action. We have an athletic running back who can run and who can run the ball, has some outside speed burst, is physical, but also has great hands in the passing game. So I'm excited for the offense. From what I've seen in the preseason, the offense is kind of buzzing, and that gets me excited. I'm not talking like 2018 with A.B. and Lev Bell, but I'm at least more optimistic that we'll be able to move the ball in a more consistent at a more consistent level and not just worry about these two that not just worry about like the two yard passes over the middle to like try to like set up a third and six every drive. Yeah, I think just looking at the team in general, um, yeah, I think you hit both parts of it. So your offensive line is obviously the concern that you need them to get past, but addressing needs at running back, addressing needs um, by signing TJ Watt, which you know we assume would be sooner rather than later, especially with what yes. he brings prolifically to the defense. Um, their defense is fantastic. They have a star-studded defense. Um, and their offense has the firepower to be able to compete with anybody. It's just a matter of, like you said, I think the offensive line, I think those are great points that you bring up. For me, for the Giants, I think it's, without being said, uh, for the past nine fucking weeks that I talked about this, Giants have no offensive line again. And even with a head coach like Joe Judge, where the team buys in and uh, doesn't feel being yelled at is a negative thing, uh, similar to how Tom Coughlin used to run the team. I just don't see, like, how do I get production out of Saquon Barkley that isn't 13 receptions a game, 20 carries for 10 yards? Like, you know, I think I want to see a productive offense with the weapons that they tried to get producing through the run game. And I think they ran better last year than they have in the past couple of years. In fact, I know they had um, with a running back core that was abysmal. And I think if they could do it with that and they can establish a pass game through threatening with the run, I think that the Giants overcome a lot of obstacles. I just I don't foresee a great future with no offensive line in a division where teams thrive on the defensive line. So I, I just like that's two losses to Washington every time. It's at least a loss, if not two, to Philadelphia. And probably both losses just because we can't keep up with the offense of Dallas. That, that like that feels like six losses going into a season. You know, like you don't want to feel like that, plus the out of division games. So, you know, I obviously I don't feel like that's gonna be the case, but when you look at what we have weapons wise on our offensive line, it just feels like ragtag again. Uh, so that's something that I think the Giants would need to overcome. What I think they have overcome is not having enough weapons on offense. Their defense is going to be fine. I feel like their defense is is their strong point. Their defense is something that they were very good at last year. I believe they only gave up around 22 to 23 points a game. And for a team that turned over the ball on offense as much as they did to only give up that many points a game shows the strength in their defense. And I think that happens a lot with some teams is they don't get enough credit for how good they are defensively when their offense is so fucking abysmal that they give up the ball so much that their defense has to play more time of possession on the field than their offense does. You know, I think we can all agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, Dan- I mean, it comes out to Danny Dimes, I think. It's just like- <laughs> Which is just not, just not optimal, man. It's not optimal. I mean, Danny Dimes behind a bad offensive line, you're going to have a bad time. I just don't want to have – I don't want that to be, like, my answer. Like, I get – you know what? Like, to be fair, actually, this isn't fair at all because Eli coming out of college was way more of a prospect to be a starting quarterback, even if we had Phillip Rivers, than Danny Dimes was. Like, Dan, <laughs> when they picked Daniel Jones, everybody was like, are you insane? When you had the opportunity to pick a quarterback when we picked Saquon Barkley, we didn't do that then. So, you know, it doesn't go against anything that the Giants have ever done. So that's why I'm not surprised when things like this happen where we don't have an offensive line. Well, everybody, I mean, everyone was so surprised because you were supposed to take Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying that that would have panned out <laughs> any differently, but we could have had 
had at least a quarterback a couple years, a couple years earlier. I at least at least Daniel Jones can can move with his feet. Like when Eli Eli was like in mud for like the last two years. Um, but like at least he's like he's a student of the game. He loves being in front of the camera or talking to people. I feel like he's a leader. I feel like he's a leader in the locker room. I I just I just don't. I, he's gonna die, and it's just so frustrating to like know that we're not gonna have an offense. I don't want what happened to Joe Burrow to happen to him. I want him to win. I want to win as a Giants fan, but like I just don't see it this year. I don't see seven and nine winning our division. Seven and ten winning the division. Unfortunately, not. I I just I'm tired of looking at his goofy face every time he throws an interception. That's my biggest. <laughs> <laughs> you watched Eli Manning do it for how many years? Yeah, uh, Eli tweeted out a picture I think the other day of it of his son doing the Eli face, like looking at him. And I was like, "Oh man, runs in the family, runs runs in the quarterback <laughs> line too." Sammy, we're talking about the Packers. What do you think oh boy. the Packers needed to overcome that they did? And what do you think that they still have something to improve on? First thing they needed to overcome was signing off Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they did the bare minimum to do that. Do you think there's anything that, like, in the first I mean, couple weeks or that. throughout the season that could come and haunt them? Is there anything that you think that defense? It's it. Defense? I, I've been I've been saying the same thing for the last 10, 15 years. Is their defense is just atrocious? It's gotten better, but as we saw in the playoffs last year, is they just get burned the their past defense just isn't what it needs to be and instead of addressing the glaring problems they double down and draft a quarterback in the second round no uh i mean making aaron Rodgers happy uh was the one thing they needed to do this offseason and like i said they did the bare minimum they signed uh randall cobb who's going to possibly see playing time this season if i'm not mistaken Um, i was i was reading somebody talking about this on one of the forums. I'm going to say it was on Sleeper app. And they were talking about how Randall Cobb has not had a bad year, whatever that entails, under Aaron Rodgers. And I'm almost positive it's been a thousand yard reception years as long as he's played with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, Randall Cobb did not miss the playoffs until the season where Aaron Rodgers went down with his collarbone injury. Yeah. Because the Packers missed the playoffs that year. But he did not miss the playoffs one season on the Packers except for that year. Hey, they'll make the playoffs this year. Don't worry about that. They just won't win the Super Bowl again. No, no. It, it, instead, of, um, the champion, instead of losing the championship game to the Buccaneers in Green Bay, they're going to lose the championship game to the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay instead. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's going to be the same game, but just a different site. Dude, be glad you make the playoffs. We don't need to fucking sniff it anymore. So, <laughs> Bro, um, I... I... I just want another Super Bowl. Like, I just want to get there. Like, I'm sick of the championship game because no, I know exactly what's going to happen every single time. I was listening to see it for Rodgers because he deserves it. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He need does he need it to make the Hall of Fame? I don't think he needs I, to make the Hall I, of Fame. I work with a I work with a guy who wants to marry Tom Brady, and every time I bring up uh, Aaron Rodgers, oh, he just no, he's not good enough because he, he just doesn't have the rings. He can't get there. He can't. He can't get to. He can't get to the Super Bowl. It's interesting because it's the same topic of conversation for like the MLB and like rings and Cy Youngs for pitchers and MVP awards and stuff like that. It's always it's like cyclical with it. Well, it's it's Philip Rivers is he's hardly ever made the playoffs with the Chargers and. I, 
I think it goes, there's plenty of other examples, but yes, that is one of the examples that I think goes, goes deep. And another example is, does Eli make the Hall of Fame because of only, because of winning two Super Bowls and does Super Bowls matter more than wins or the production? But yeah, I don't, I don't know. That Maybe that's a conversation for another day since, you know, this is only week one and we're not talking about awards and stuff like that towards the end of the year. But um, I have something interesting for you guys um, and feel free to chime in after I chime in with this stuff. But I made some predictions in week one, okay? And um, I picked a player that I thought was going to, supersede expectations in week one and uh you know feel free to shoot me down or feel free to chime in with your own player my player for week one and if you drafted him congrats because i feel really confident about this but i think nick chubb is gonna dominate kansas city this week and i don't even think kareem hunt needs to even really see playing time but i think in the first half and maybe the beginning of the third quarter i could see chubb rushing for like 125 135 and two touchdowns just on the ground alone in production in production against the chiefs the chiefs do not have a solid defense um they're not great against the run and uh, they didn't improve anything to do that so i feel like chubb and the browns i don't think that they win this game but i just think chubb's gonna run all over them thoughts i don't hate it as a i have nick chubb in a lot of fantasy teams so i hope so I mean, I'm to catering to you, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, that has to be the that has to be the game script at least a little bit. I mean, that was the game script last year in the playoffs. I mean, they ran they ran the hell out of the ball for three quarters, and then they <laughs> just left, pa- they then had to and, pass the entire fourth quarter, <laughs> and then they just left a little too much time. And Matt Moore did what he it was Matt Moore, right? Matt Moore did what he does, and it's just like that's what ended up happening. And it's like, I mean, that's the game script to beat the to beat the Chiefs. Like you run, you run the ball. It's clock control, and luckily the Browns. But, but is it? Is it? Dude, they score in like a minute and a half. They score like they have like three three play drives for eighty five yards and touchdowns all the time. So the difference is, is like you're not playing, you're not like playing clock control when you have a team that averages fourteen points a game. The Browns could average thirty points a game in the Stefanski offense if they really wanted to, and they might this year. To be honest, I think that offense is going to be pretty damn good, and like. They could, but the thing is, like, they can run the ball on anybody, and it just sets up their play action, which is like that's Baker's bread and butter. Yeah, like especially I, with a healthy Odell this year. I mean, quote unquote healthy, but yeah, no, I agree. No, I was gonna say honestly, I was just like, I just don't, I don't picture the Browns winning. I just feel like Chubb gets to run all over them. And uh, what's crazy about this is like the Chiefs improved their offensive line, so I'm not even, I'm not even saying like they won't even run all over. And they'll probably split it up between three backs. I just feel like they're gonna like Nick Chubb's gonna get abused, you know. I I agree. I think Nick Chubb will have a very big game. I, I expect a lot of points out of that game. I also think the Browns can cover. I think the spread six and a half right now. I I would lean towards the Brown side. I know it's tough to bet against the Chiefs, but I would lean towards the Brown side. Yeah. No. I I mean, hey, that makes it cool for a cool week. Does anybody have any players they think are gonna excel this week? Give me one player. Give me a name. Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's shit. I mean, you think supersede what he does? He's gonna he's gonna just produce. I yeah, have. He's gonna throw ten touchdowns. I have a real one. What do you got? It's a player I am all in on. I have him on probably about ninety percent of my fantasy team. Wait a minute, before you go any further, who are you gonna try to sell me in a fantasy league um, next week after he produces one week? Okay, now you can continue. Is it Penai Sewell? No, it is uh, no. running. <laughs> so it's it's a team that has uh, they're starting a rookie quarterback, and they uh, they made a lot of offensive additions. They have a top. 10 line they Are have you going to tell me david montgomery i'll punch you in the dick no 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 i mean that okay. was a good offer i've sent you the other that was day. a terrible yeah. offer no anyway but um <laughs> my guy is uh running back for the new england patriots damian harris oh, i okay. think i think Are i you still I, on the new england patriots train huh 
I mean, for this week, yeah, they're playing my the the home team in the Miami New England series always wins this game. No matter no matter who's the quarterback, it could be Tua, it could be Brady, it could be Mac Jones, it could be Cam Newton. The home team wins this game. New England is home. They are favored by three points. And I think the Dolphins defense has gotten worse. They've lost uh they lost Kyle Van Noy on their linebacking core. They've lost some of their they've lost some of their defensive line. There's been turnover on that defense. And I think Damian Harris and this this uh, more traditional New England offense is going to absolutely eat. I love Damian Harris this week. I love him this season. Sony Michelle's not there. He's Ramondre Stevenson broke his finger last week. So I mean, you have hit. You have Damian Harris and you have James White in that backfield. Cam Newton's no longer vulturing uh, touchdowns at the goal line. Damian Harris, I think, goes for at least 80 on the ground, at least a touchdown, maybe two. Also, maybe some early down passing work, too. I'm very excited. Well, he's only projected to get 11 points uh, this week in fantasy, so that definitely sounds like he's going around the 16, 17 range, so that would definitely be a a production increase. So I feel that on you. Yes. Do you have anybody besides Aaron Rodgers, Timmy, that you think will supersede, (laughs) or or are you just thinking that A-Rod's going to throw four TDs this week? Well, I mean, he throws for four TDs every week. Um... He's projected 21 (laughs) points this week. He's he's got his contract that he's been waiting so long for, you know? Well, no, he always had the contract. It it was... was... (laughs) They play New Orleans. Do you think that he could just poop on that defense? Yep. (laughs) Sure do. I don't think think they have a defense. Do they even run the um, ball? I, honestly, actually, um, to be serious, uh, I am really, really excited for Jalen Hurts and Devontae uh, Smith. Smith. De- uh, Smith. Devontae no, say Adams. Adams is Devontae your boy. Smith. Devontae Smith. Smith. Yeah. Um, no, I, so I, I think uh, that, that that's going to be a really good connection, and I would love to see what Hurts can do as a full-time starter, not worrying about uh, Crybaby Wentz uh, on the bench. So they, get to, I, they get to play Atlanta this week, so he'll go off for 40 points this week. It'll be great. You'll be super yeah, happy. Yeah, so I, I, th- I think that'll be my pick is uh, Jalen Hurts. Geller, who do you have? Anybody in mind so that you think will supersede? I, I got somebody in mind. I like what Timmy, what Timmy just said, You know, the two former Alabama teammates on the Eagles, but I'm going to go with two other former Alabama teammates that are back together. This I'm exciting. picking one in particular. Tua Tagovailoa. Viola. Okay, you uh, think I, that he's going to supersede what, he, what he's going to get this week? I think so. I think we're going to see something good from Tua this week. Um, they got a really much improved team down there in, in Miami. He's got you know receiving core. You know, Devont, Devontae Parker's still there. He's still really good. Uh, Jalen Waddell is uh, is there now. Mike Gusecki is a, a really solid tight end. He's not you know top tier, but he's definitely a solid tight end. And uh, Miles Gaskin's a good running back to you know give him play action plays. So I'm really excited to see what uh, Tua can do this year. Hey Clark, can I rate Geller? Can I raise you six defensive starters returning for the New England Patriots? I was just gonna say they're playing <laughs> the Patriots this week. I was gonna say, how Clark, how do you feel about that? Uh, it's fine. Patriots, the Patriots got to knock off the Dolphins at least once on their uh, wild card hopes. I actually have, I actually have one more fun one, Kyle. I this yeah. is one, this is more for pride, and I think it's gonna be a fun one. Mm-hmm. There's a game happening in Carolina, and I think it's a play this week. It would happen sometimes. <laughs> and yes. they, I am always a fan of bet the narrative or play the narrative. The Sam Darnold revenge game against the Jets 
is going to be legendary. Sam Darnold is going to throw for 300 plus three touchdowns, two to Robbie Anderson. How many picks? None. The the Jets defense is dog shit. They have no corners. Their cornerback core is so bad. I think, and I I am a fan of Zach Wilson. He's impressed me in the preseason. I think it's going to be a fun game. I just like the idea of after all the bullshit, after all the Adam Gase shit, and Sam Darnold winding up on the Panthers. They trusted him. They could have drafted Justin Fields. They didn't. And they stuck with Sam Darnold. And of course, week one, he plays against the Jets. I'm so excited. Darnold is um he's actually projected pretty decently, I think, for this first week. Um he's projected 17 and a half points. And if he performs at 40 points like you uh like you're projecting, that would be very interesting. But it, but it makes sense. I mean, not for nothing for the season. I mean, McCaffrey, he's got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson's, Terrence Marshall, three good receivers. They brought in Dan Arnold from Arizona at to be a pass-catching tight end. So he's got at least above-average weapons. He has the best running back in the NFL, and who's one of the who's then elite pass catcher, and the O line's improved. I mean, the the narrative sets up the narr- the story writes itself. Sam Darnold, comeback player of the year. I like the picks, boys. Let me go into something else and go with a team effort. So I have a team that I feel like is going to overachieve this year. Um, and I also have a team that I think is going to be in in the same connaissance that they're going to be absolutely exciting to watch. Um, I, like, I like the Rams this year. Um, they are favored by seven and a half, seven and a half in week one uh, to play Chicago. So they're going to stomp all over them. But they have Matt Stafford, a quarterback, absolute monster defense led by uh, Donald uh, their linebacker core, Leonard Floyd, healthy inside linebackers. They have Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams after an awesome year. Statistically, Darius Williams, just so you guys know for what a cornerback is supposed to do, had a 61 quarterback rating against, which is amazing. And to have Jalen Ramsey on the other side is insane. Yep. Um, and then their strong safety group uh, with Fuller and Rapp. Um, they may be like they may be a three touchdown win this week, and like I'm confident in saying that because of the weapons that they have, because of Stafford being the caliber quarterback that he is, and that he gets to finally flourish on an offense, and the fact that their defense is on paper one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. Do you guys it's have any teams that, that are you, thrilling you at all? It's amazing that you said all of that about the Rams, and you didn't even mention that you know Sean McVay with all that talent at his disposal. It's like salivating for him, you know, like it's the way that he incorporates his system. He's insane with creating unique game plans that are non-counterable. He just doesn't have Jared Goff throwing it away every time now. He has Matt Um, Stafford who can totally flourish there. uh, Another uh, point for at least uh, Matty Stafford, um, because you said they're they're playing the Bears week one. Mm -hmm. No one knows the Bears more than Matt Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Yep. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I, I think I think that's a that's gonna be not only a plus matchup, but I think I think that's um going to be a slaughter. I, is, there, is there any teams that you guys think that are potential like uh superstar teams that could that are the next level now or that well, would only overtake the Patriot uh, sorry, overtake the Bucks or the Chiefs respectively? No. no. It's it's gonna be Bucks Chiefs in the Super Bowl again. Uh, I, I I already know it. I it, it's just that all twenty two starters for the Bucks that were yes. in the Super Bowl are back on the roster, and they added more depth behind them. Um, the Chiefs, uh, their gameplay is just as long as uh, Patrick Holmes is healthy. Uh, I I don't see anybody beating them. The only team that's close in the AFC, uh, 
is the Bills, and I don't see them beating them. I agree with the Rams take, Kyle, 100%. I love Matthew Stafford. That team is stacked, offense, defense, absolutely. I've I've, I've confessed for the last month that I've been on this, my love for the Patriots this year. I'm not going to do it again. I already think that they could be that breakout team this year. Um, in regards to like you, 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 I was before you said like dethrone like Tampa or like overthrow the Chiefs in the AFC. I was gonna, I was gonna like basically say what Timmy said. I think the Bucks are going to be better than they were last year, and they mm. won a Super Bowl. They it's just like they were clicking on all cylinders when they were in. They they finally started clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, their last six they, weeks. Were their last six weeks, and they won a, and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and everyone's back. Yep. I mean, I mean, I think this team could win 14, 15 games this year. Mm-hmm. Not for, not to mention there's six games in their division that's like absolutely just like a cakewalk. But if you want like a team that I think could take the next step, but you like I no, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm a little biased as a Steelers fan. I think the Ravens and the Browns are both very very good teams. Mm-hmm. I think I think in the right circumstances either of them could beat Kansas City, but a team that came close a few years ago and has made improvements since then, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that pick, too. That was, my other, that was my other pick, actually. Yeah, I mean, you lose a little firepower on offense with like losing Corey Davis, losing Johnny Smith, but you bring in Julio Jones. You bring in Josh Reynolds from the Rams. He was their third wide receiver last year. He'll get some targets that offense. Hold on, hold on. Did you just call Julio Jones a downgrade from Corey Davis? <laughs> no, I said... He was injured I, and injured no, prone. No, no, no. I said you're vacating targets. You lost offensive guys like Johnny Smith and Corey Davis and you turned that into Julio Jones and... I just wanted to, be, wanted to make sure we were clear on that. <laughs> Julio I mean, Jones is not I mean, a downgrade, the, but... Yes. I mean, he, I mean, he might be, but well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about in that. youth and uh, aspirations for the future, maybe. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think defenses will tend to shade a little more towards Julio's side than they would Corey Davis's, just on yeah. namesake alone. But I mean, they brought in Bud Dupree. That secondary was absolutely awful last year. I mean, so like they had, they can't get any worse. I, I love that narrative. Like, if they, if a team is that bad, statistically speaking, a team is not going to be that bad two years in a row. Yep. Like now, they, what what do you got? Like, so I I love I love that that pick, and I in general, like I I know that it it's overthinking like what's going to possibly happen, but like the wild card is like the perfect example in every sport where like a team just needs to get better enough to make that wild card to make it to this to like a next round in the playoffs, come fresh, have a good streak like the Bucks, win games, get to the Super Bowl, win, and then just keep getting better. And I, that's why I feel like the Rams could do it. And you're right. The Titans could also be that team that does that. Absolutely. I think that, I, I mean, and like, especially all you have to do is get in. If you get into the playoffs, anything could happen. Hell yeah. Um, did I hit everybody? Timmy, did I hit a team for you that you think is going to excel? Or um, be well, I, I only just commented on, on your pick of uh, who's going to knock off the bucks, but I think a team that's going to excel just based on where they finished last year. I th- I think they, they're going to 100% excel. And that's the uh, uh, Los Angeles chargers. 
um, because they they just have the talent, and I think I think that they're just it, it's just a matter of they're just going to win the games that they lost last year, where that I think they lost by a field goal on like what three different games in a row. So it's like uh, I I think they'll be able to get over that hump and just get those wins that they didn't get last year, and that they, they probably will be in the uh, playoffs if anything as a wild card team. Taylor, what do you feel? Any teams that like point out to you that you just look at them and they're like, oh, this team's going to be so much better this year. Look what they have. You can say the obvious ones that you guys have all already named uh you dare say the eagles oh god no Uh, i'm gonna break my own heart (laughs) by saying this team the dallas cowboys oh dallas hell yeah yeah, let's go (laughs) um you know dak's back and if he could stay healthy all year he's got a top five receiving core in the league you know Um, i've heard that if if, when dak prescott's healthy they can win at least 10 games but, uh... And and you know, <laughs> Zeke Elliott still uh, Zeke Elliott still an elite running back you know so uh, I I see Dallas winning the NFC East this year and uh, at least winning a playoff game. Well, they have a tough matchup in Week One. Um, this brings me to my next point: um, a team that I think is going to shock everybody um, and be as we did with the first player uh, that we were talking about and and supersede expectations. And hear me out. Because I know Timmy's take on this team, and I know how we were going over teams and schedules and stuff like that, and he was like, who even is their quarterback? But let me just explain myself, okay? So my shock for the NFL season is that the Broncos are going to be better than than everybody expects them to be. And here's why. First and foremost, the Broncos' schedule. They play the NFC East, and uh, besides the Cowboys, the others are wins, right? They play the Jets. They play the Jaguars. They play the Lions. They play the Bengals. They play the Chargers twice, which I think they could split. They play the Raiders twice, which I think they could split. And then if they just go one and three versus the AFC North, they're ten and seven, and they're a wild card team. They have a they have a healthy Bridgewater, which I I think is an underrated quarterback, and I think he's very solid. And I think Agreed. if he's healthy, he's going to be fantastic. And I think he'd be a top fifteen quarterback, if not even higher. Um, Sutton, Judy, Patrick, and Noah Font, like those four. AJ and Hamler, but I'm talking about like the top three to four options that they have as receivers and tight end that'll be in on almost every package. That's that's the receiving core that he gets to throw to. Their offensive lines are turning. They have depth depth at running back. So even if they have an injury or they have something go wrong, they have they have even though a running back got a committee, and that sucks for fantasy players like us who want to draft like the number one overall. But when you think about a loss of running back, they have depth there. Shermer returns to his offensive coordinator role, which I think is an underrated um, and undercommitted position as going from a head coach back to a position. Um, and you can look at like, you know, anybody that's ever tried to be a co- <laughs> you can look at the Giants and just anybody that's ever tried to be the head coach that gone back to be an offensive coordinator. And you can see that there's more progress there than there was before their defense. Von Miller comes back on D, which is I don't care who you are. That's one of the top defensive players in the league. Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell is off. This is Liz Frank entry. Uh, both inside linebackers are healthy. Uh, Patrick Sertain, a quarterback. Old Tide. Um, they drafted him in the first round. Um, and then Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, Justin Simmons, um, who's the highest paid safety in the league. Um, they can get after the quarterback and they can protect against the pass. Yes, they suck against the run, but in the teams that they get to play against the run, if it's already not going to be a non-factor that they're going to get slaughtered by those teams, like in the AFC North, I think that they could really build a 10-7 and seven season. That's my surprise pick for being better than they should be. Um, and to be honest, it's probably going to be the exact opposite. They're probably going to be fucking five wins. But like, you know what? They have the potential to be ten and seven, especially if Bridgewater's healthy. That's and what I got for that. I like it. Can this be a team that I think is going to surprise people by how bad they're going to be? 
<laughs> Go for it. Are you going to say the Saints? <laughs> I, I, you know me so well. <laughs> My team that's going to surprise some people is your New Orleans Saints. And here's why. People say the Saints have been one of the top teams in the NFC for the last decade behind Drew Brees and a slew of running backs, great wide receivers, an, an, an elite defense, top to- top coaching staff, etc. Well, times are changing, boys. Not to mention, this team is not going to play, might not play a home game in its stadium, in its home stadium in New Orleans due to the hurricanes and the flooding until, what, week seven, week eight? Oh, but that's okay, because they have Alvin Kamara, and they have Michael Thomas. Oh, wait, Michael Thomas is out the first six weeks of the season, but that's okay. They have their, they they still have their, uh, their Hall of Fame-worthy quarterback in Drew Brees. Oh, wait, no, he retired. Just just a quick just and just just a quick rundown of this. You have the players that the Saints lost last year. They lost Drew Brees, they lost a fullback, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Josh Hill, Nick Easton. That's five four to five starting pieces of their offense. And then we move to their defense. They lost both their starting defensive tackles, their defensive end and Trey Hendrickson is very good. Three starting linebackers, two starting cornerbacks. So they lost eleven players of their they lost half of their starters from last year that are being turned over for this year. They draft. They're starting three rookies at on defense at D end linebacker and cornerback. This team is cash strapped. They have so many new pieces coming in. They have a young defense. They have a quarterback who, the last time he was a starting quarterback, threw thirty interceptions for a t- for a for a roster that the next year won the Super Bowl. The Saints team plays a first place. A first place schedule. They play the NFC East, which I know, LOL, NFC East. But I think that they're the Cowboys are better than them. I think that the Washington football team is better than them. I even think the Giants may be better than them. And then they play, oh, LOL, they play the AFC East. The Bills are a Super Bowl favorite. I think the Patriots are a wild card team. Most of most of the professionals think that the Dolphins are a playoff team this year, or at least a wild card contender. And then not to mention you have the Super Bowl champion in your own division. So all these factors being added up, I think that the New Orleans Saints are going to be, I've said as I've said it before, I think they're going to be a bottom 10 team in the league. I think they might even be a I think they might even be a top up top five draft pick next year. Drafting a quarterback, drafting their future for this franchise because Jameis Winston is not their future of this franchise. What? Impossible. He was the face of a franchise before that. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. And uh, <laughs> let's see how see how that worked. Um well, he had LASIK surgery so he could see better. He, t- he is seeing better. That's fine. He can see all the interceptions he's gonna throw. That's great. I who's throwing a... the who's throwing the ball to? Continue, sorry. I was gonna say I also have a team that I think is gonna underperform as well. Do Timmy or Geller, do you either of you want to say anything about a team that could uh shock either way? Mm. Like I said, the the only team that that really is just like for me the the one that's really going to just like change what from what they did last season is is the Chargers, and I think they're just going they're just going to win the games that they should have won last season. So, oh, I mean, I totally get and understand that too, especially with the firepower. Their, their defense is actually really stacked, and their offense has weapons on it. Yeah. So, I mean, you can only expect progress from what they had last year too. Yeah, Keller, you feeling anybody besides right, who was already stated? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like all the obvious have been stated, and I I don't got any but any rabbit I'm gonna pull out of my hat. That's so really the only Super Bowl is, is that what you're calling? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I actually have a team that I think is gonna suck this year. Um, I think the 49ers are overrated um, because of their injury reserve players from last year. Uh, so listen to the people that are considered weapons on this team that people draft in fantasy drafts that are, were in on either on a stint on the injured or that they were coming off of it like recently. Debo, Morstert, Kittle, Jimmy G, Bosa, and Sherman were all IL. So like to me, that just screams that the potential for more injury or that they're that they are gonna just not be successful because of coming off of injury. Um Salah went to the Jets, right? So Salah's the head coach there. He was the defensive mind, the guru there that 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 ran that defense, right? They have a stacked division. They play the Cardinals, Seahawks, and Rams twice. Healthy, sure, maybe they're a scary team, but look at this division, and then look at the team that they like. They can't even come. They can't even be the wild card team because two of the other teams in that division are better than them. You know what I'm saying? Their their over under is ten and a half. <laughs> Isn't and that ridiculous? Tell me that's not ridiculous for a team that for a team that was drafting was drafting in like the top 10 last year yeah i think it's ridiculous but it also speaks i mean to be fair like they were in the super bowl two years ago with this with a so we just give them a pass like fuck that i I believe that i wouldn't say pass but i see where you're coming from i also but i think i like i like you said if healthy the talent is there for them to be a top team but there's definitely question marks absolutely and like not for nothing if they they could start six and one but jimmy g is playing like a, a below average quarterback and the rest of these pieces are carrying who's to say they're not going to pull a what, what the dolphins did and start trey lance yeah, that'd be great because then at least they would have more production because uh, Jimmy G is not the answer. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that's another reason why it's not going to be successful. And by the time that they would even start Trey Lance, they're already going to be four games out of the division lead, so it's not going to matter at that point. They're just going to try to get reps for Lance, and he may even win or split the rest of the games. Like they might even take a game from a contender like Seattle because he's playing the game. So yeah, that's my shock, and that just goes along with those picks, shocks, and thinking that we're gonna who's gonna win over and whatnot. We want to take a minute to thank one of our sponsors. Looking for a beer that's different than the same old boring macro beer you're used to? Come check out Three Threes in Hammonton, New Jersey. With a wide selection of craft beer ranging from IPAs to porters, Three Threes has a little something for everyone. Stop in today for a pint of our Back to Reality, winner of the 2019 Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival's Best Hazy New England IPA. Perhaps lagers are more your speed. Try the winner of the 2021 Mana Hopkin Best Beer, Pitter Patter Pilsner. Not in the area? No problem. Three Threes distributes beer all over New Jersey and parts of eastern Pennsylvania. Stop in your local liquor store today and ask for Three Threes. But that, let's, uh, let's flip the script a little bit. We love NFL. We love talking about the NFL. I just want to get into the MLB playoff picture a little bit, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about some movies. So playoff picture-wise, I mean, a lot of the divisions are kind of out of reach besides the NL East and besides the NL West. Uh, but even in the NL West, we're, we're pretty much ensuring that the second place team is going to be the first wild card. What yes. is really interesting is the wild card in general anyway, right? So the wild card, looking at it, we're looking at the Yankees have the second wild card. Boston is first in the wild card, and the Yankees just lost tonight. There's, um, oh, my and, God. <laughs> and Toronto is catching up quickly. Not only is Toronto catching up quickly, but... Very sneakily, Seattle is catching up, and Seattle's only two and a half games back of the second wild card. Um, and Oakland is the last team in that race because the Angels are just too far out at nine games to even think about and to worry about. 
Um, and then in the National League, the wild card, the Cincinnati Reds are only half a game behind the Padres, who the Padres were very hot early in the year. They have fallen off surely and steadily towards the end of the year here. The Phillies are two and a half games back on the Padres. The Cardinals are three games back. The Mets are four games back on the wild card. So believe it or not, the Mets could still actually win the wild card, even though the division is up for grabs in the NL East as well. Um, four just games to go, in division too. Uh, listen, the Mets have it lined up where they can control their own fate. I don't think they're going to do it because they're not. That's good enough crazy as a to me. It's just like it's <laughs> that, they could, that they could still win the wild card and they could still win the division. Like they they still have a chance two different ways. And they're five hundred right now, by the way. And the Yankees are seventy eight and sixty one, while the Mets are seventy and seventy. And technically, the Yankees have the better chance because they are already technically in the playoffs, but they just keep losing, right? And, like, what are you supposed to do when your team wins 13 games in a row and then loses 8 out of 10? Like, what do you, what do, you do? And they, they lost even, 5 in a row. What do you do? They didn't even gain any ground when they, yeah, they won those 13 games. games in a row. Yeah, they like, gained now lots of ground. And now Garrett Cole's hurt. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I, I know people say Mets being Mets, but at least they, in my opinion, the Mets have hope. Like, they always give their fans every single year. Yeah. Um, the Yankees should make this second wild card, if not the first wild card. You want to play that wild card game at home, but like I'm just staring at them losing every every game, and I'm like, what the hell was I even thinking when they won 13 games in a row? I literally said all year long, this team sucks. This team sucks. They win 13 games in a row, and I'm like, oh, oh this team's so great. <laughs> Look at this, my Yankee fan. I am, and then they go and lose like a stretch eight out of ten, and like to teams that they should not be losing it to not that toronto is a, a bad team but baltimore you shouldn't like, lose two out of three to baltimore like, even the angels like the angels are under 500 like why are we not beating that team up you know i i said it i it wasn't last week but i'd like two or three weeks ago when we were talking about baseball i said that while yes the red Sox are technically ahead of us right now i was worried about the blue jays the blue jays made moves at the deadline those bats are lethal that offense one to nine can hit the ball out of the ballpark and it's coming to fruition we're we're seeing it firsthand the series they're just crushing us and yeah. this this is a team this is the classic team like this team was young last year and everyone's like oh well they're one year away and then midway through this year where they're like okay we're like they're like one more year away like and then they went out and got Berrios. And they're making moves for their bullpen. And they signed Springer in the offseason. And this team is just on fire lately. They've won uh, seven straight from what I'm looking at. So they've won seven straight. And they are catching up. And as of right now, I mean, Seattle, yes, Seattle's been playing well. I think that I still stand pat and I say that it's going to be Yankees and Blue Jays. In the wild card game, yeah, I, think I don't, Boston's I don't like, I don't like Boston at all. I think Boston falls out too. I totally agree with that. And I think if it's Toronto, that's scary. We lose that game. Like that's the sad part. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting there looking at it, like we can't beat them. Like they're not, not this team, not right now, not who exactly. they have, not who they're going to put in the wild card game against us. Not if we don't have Garrett Cole to win us that game. And then yeah. Garrett Cole would only be pitching one game in the next series unless he pitches on three days rest. Like there's so many question marks going into it. The, and and you're right for Seattle. I mean. Listen, Seattle just they they did lose two out of three to Houston. They won two out of three against Houston prior to that. Their schedule is pretty light. They play Arizona, yeah. they play Boston, they play Kansas City, they play Oakland twice, but they play the Angels twice as well. So theoretically they have a favorable schedule. But when you look at the way that the Blue Jays are playing right now, I just don't see it 
I don't see the Yankees getting the first wild card spot. And the Yankees have to play teams that they should be beating anyway. Like they have to play yes. Baltimore again. Like if they don't win those games, like I don't even want them in the playoffs. Like I don't want to see that team going to the playoffs and just get smoked in that wild card game. Like I'd rather them just not make the playoffs, which is not something that I would normally say. But like they play Toronto for one more game to lose to them in a four game series. Then they play the Mets, who, surprise, this is a huge series for both teams. Go figure. Yep. They play a makeup game versus the Twins that they should beat. They play Baltimore for three. They play Cleveland. They play Texas. They play Boston. But then they end the season with Toronto and Tampa Bay. If they don't have a wild card spot already secured at that point, they are, not, last six, they are yeah. not making the playoffs. So, like, that, that's what's scary to me about what the Yankees have for the rest of the season. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's as a fan, it's concerning. I mean, payroll-wise, the team should be leading the league, leading the division. But, I mean, we'll have to see where it comes from. I mean, you had mentioned the NL, though, like switching over to the NL a little bit. I think that the you said before, like, the Padres have been stumbling, like, since the All-Star break. This team was – at the All-Star break, we were talking as a three-team race for the NL West, and now the Padres have just complete, Padres have completely fallen off. And looking at the teams that are like within that five game stretch, if you had to give me a choice of which team I think could actually make a run, I think the Cardinals could make a run in this division. The Cardinals the do that- play a lot of teams that are in the race right now too, but they're like I the division you mean or for the wild card the last sorry wild card sorry yeah so sorry like so I think they're in I think they're involved I think they're definitely involved in the wild card. I think the Cardinals could be a dark horse for that second wild card seed because. I'm their division isn't good outside of the Brewers. So, I mean, I mean, the Reds are good technically, but the Reds are a team ahead of them. If they can beat the Reds, the Cardinals were one of those teams where at the deadline, everyone was like, Oh my God, they should make this move, this move and this move. They got J.A. Happ, who's actually worked out pretty well. And they got John Lester, who's actually worked out pretty well. And the reason they did this is because they were getting uh, Mikolas and Flaherty back from injury. Yeah. They're getting two workhorse aces at the top of their rotation back from injury. Jack Flaherty, when healthy, is a top 10 pitcher in the league, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, like, like you- they, they, they actually, to, to your point, like, they play they, – so they're going to play L.A. In the, in the fourth game of the series. They actually um, – they beat them tonight, I believe. Yeah, they, they, they won 5-4. Five five four. They play L.A. one more time, and then they, they play Cincinnati for three games, and their they're three going in that is Lester, Mikolas, and Hap. Like – that's huge, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cincinnati matched with the best of them. Cincinnati could hit off anybody, but I think that this Cardinals team is a perfect example of a team that doesn't do much because they underachieved in the first half and the talent is there. You don't go out and make a trade for Nolan Arenado in the offseason if you don't think that you have a potential World Series contender on your hand. They have a tough schedule, though, bro. Like, they play Cincy, they play the Mets, who I that can go either way. They play San Diego, who's a t- potential playoff team. They play Milwaukee. They play Chicago, which is great for them, four-game series. Then they play Milwaukee again. Then they play Chicago to end the season. So that's a tough stretch for them to win out on. Whereas comparative, I and I, I could see it both ways, San Diego, their end of their schedule is just as brutal. Like, they play L.A. for three games. They play San Francisco for four. They play the Cardinals. They play San Francisco. They play Atlanta. They play L.A. They play San Francisco. They, are, they play the Dodgers six times. They play the Giants three, six, nine, ten times. <laughs> like... That, if that doesn't scream to you that they're falling off, I don't know what does. You you say with the Cardinals, you say that the stretch is brutal. When I when you say that, 
what I hear is that they control their own destiny. Yep. You just it's, told me that they play the Mets, they play the Reds, and they play the Padres. And yep. they're currently three and a half games behind the Padres, and they're two and a half behind the Reds. Dude, so, pretty much every team is like that, though, besides really Cincinnati, I think. Every yeah. team that's in this hunt right now controls their own destiny. Obviously, if San Diego wins more games than their opponents do, they keep that spot, right? If Cincinnati takes division games and then they beat when they play St. Louis, they keep St. Louis from overtaking them in that spot. If the Phillies just win the rest of their games, they win the division, right? If if the Mets win the rest of their games, they win the division or they win the wild card. Like, so they all play each other, which is actually kind of cool to think about that we have something like that at the end of the season. I and mean, it's not the Yankees, and they're not going to disappoint me. <laughs> and I could just like another team and be like, oh, cool, whatever, bro. The Yankees I don't know. the Yankee. Yeah, I, I just the Blue Jays and Mariners gaining on the Yanks is just scary enough. The, the Blue Jays are going to overtake that spot. Like you said, like probably Boston falls off, but whatever. The A's are also cooling off, too, which is just kind of surprising, too. The NL East is up for grabs. The Dodgers and the Giants are tight in the division battle. But who's the better team? You know, I guess we'll see. Um, in the NL wild card, the Reds, the Padres are battling it out. But the Cardinals, Phillies, and Mets are still in it as well, which is surprising. So everybody poops on the Mets, but they're still there. They're lingering. That's what gives Mets fans hope, and they don't want to admit it. And then they have to admit it, and then stuff goes bad. So, you know. That's exactly what happens every time. <laughs> it's like it's a never-ending saga with that. Uh, like we were talking in the chat before we started the baseball talk is like, Oh, I thought the Mets were out because I just accept that fate that like we were, we were, you know, bombing. We were falling so far behind. I'm like, it's not even worth like keeping up with. We're not gonna make the playoffs. And then next, oh, yeah. then you're like, hey, they're four games out. I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah, well, four and a half now. And now lost I'm the Miami Marlins, who are 58 and 81 now. So you know, yeah. it's just but, like the Yankees. So it's the yeah. same thing in New York. If, if as soon as I start thinking we can make the playoffs, they're gonna lose five in a row, and you know, not you know, be nine games out. Dude, baseball probably one of my favorite sports probably know just as much knowledge or i like to know as much knowledge as i do about football but like here i am as a yankee fan thinking that my team is going to be superior and then they fall apart like this timmy you haven't spoken much what's up how you feeling i i mean uh i think i've already made my my uh feelings known about the the yankee situation is uh i i've felt like the skid was just always about to happen anyway, and then when they hit it, I, 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 they, they weren't even going to make the playoffs anyway because it, the, their biggest problem has been pitching. And then every offseason, they get bats. And then the pitching that they do get, as we see, like it, it just doesn't work. So or They're always relying on these people to like pop off, They're waiting on Glaber Torres to be the Glaber Torres they thought. Or Gary Sanchez's catching will come around, have no fear. Or that when Michael Pineda was a pitcher, like that's that's going to be the guy. Or like now they're sitting. Remember when, when we went through the Jabba Chamberlain experiment for five years? Yeah, they they're always expecting like some guy to be like the breakout dude. I like Joey Gallo, bro. Like I can't I can't stand the fact that his walks are his biggest positive like attribute. Like he that second yesterday walks, walks not now and the day before, <laughs> and then like just like is abysmal at the plate. He doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look like he he can he could fit in the scenario and like I don't even care about a lefty bat. We had seven righty bats, eight righty bats sometimes last year, and that was more productive than having lefty bats breaking the, up the lineup. The worst the worst part about our best bats is they're the injury prone ones in in Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. Hey, Stanton's been playing some solid right field and hitting, but that doesn't really matter when the rest of the team isn't performing, right? Yeah, you know, that's like 
it's like, yeah, he can he can get all the doubles and and get on base and everything that he wants, but no one's hitting him home. I'm with you, and uh, we'll see how it shapes up. We're gonna pause real quick just to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Ready for New Jersey's newest craft hard seltzer brand. Introducing Bougie Bubbles Hard Seltzer, brewed and packaged in Hamilton, New Jersey. Bougie Bubbles is bringing a fresh spin on the hard seltzer game using real ingredients and zero artificial flavorings. Get Bougie Bubbles today at Three Threes Brewery. Bougie Bubbles Hard Seltzer. Real ingredients, real flavor. To switch gears to my final uh, presentation for this podcast, um, I'm bringing in a friend of the Hags Hangout community. His name is, it goes by Brotator Chip. Um, and I'll never dox anybody. So, you know, if you want to introduce yourself, be free, f- feel free to. But I want to talk about some movies. And I know that's something that we don't normally do on this podcast, but I wanted to bring somebody in that has the passion for introducing new movies and new material into their life. And that's my buddy, Brotator Chip, chilling out with us here. Say hey. Going on, Kyle. Oh, dude, Thanks I'm chilling. I'm, no, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, just for a little background, Rotator Chip is in the community and gives me advice and hangs out with me and plays video games. So it's only natural that we get to have somebody from the outside looking in and trying to give um, some creative and helpful advice. Come in, give some, give some like more into into a podcast that's just beginning. And uh, what we've been talking about all week, really. Is uh, is the Matrix and how hyped we are for the teaser trailers that came out? And uh, if I may take a little bit of thunder off of you from that, um, something that we both were introduced to with uh, the dawning of the internet becoming the meme community that it is, uh, picking the red or the blue pill on the website uh, enterthematrix.com was a thing that when we were kids we were able to do choose the pill and it would give us like a different scenario on the website. But they took it away after a certain period of time, but now it's back. And if you go on the enterthematrix.com, you can pick the pill that you want. But not only when you do pick it, it gives you a different snippet of certain scenes from the movie. And it's a teaser trailer tailored to the time of the day that you pick it. And like, if I picked it right now, it'd be like, yo, 1158 PM, is this real? And then you have to sit there and be like, oh, this is the shit that I've been waiting for for so long. You know, like we're in the mate, we're in matrix four, like Keanu Reeves is back and, and he's a prominent figure in this, in this movie. But like, what does it all mean, right? And that's where you come in, dude. Take yeah, me on absolutely. a journey. Where do you feel like we are presented with the information that we've already had? Where do you feel like this movie takes us? So I think, honestly, that it's kind of hard to tell because, as you said, what is the Matrix.com is giving you an opportunity to go ahead and choose a pill to choose just one of 180,000 different possible teaser videos you could have. Um, so this is almost impossible to break down because I don't even think there is a collected video out there that does it justice to put all of these together. No, but, and even and even the videos that remember we were talking the other day, I found a video. It was like three minutes long and somebody compiled all the all the clips together. But who's to say this dude's even right? Like, who's to say, like, I found the right video, right? No one has the right video until we get the full trailer, right? No, exactly. Yeah. And I did. You know what? The full trailer's coming tomorrow. I know we're not that far away. It's 11:59 p.m. right here on the East Coast. It could pop up at midnight, and I might just have to leave this call and go watch it for all for all I know. But like, exactly. doesn't it hype you up? Like, what gets you excited about the movie? Like, what do you think the movie could entail that would that would bring us back to what the Matrix actually is? 
So I think, you know, we can see from the trailer is that there's definitely a lot of nods to the first movie. And I don't think that's much of a surprise because there a lot of the viewer base was not really happy with the second movie. And they just kind of stuck with the third movie just to see how it all ends. Because if you're in it for three movies, you, you got to see how it's going to it's gonna finish out. So we really thought that this ended in 2003 with the third Matrix movie when, you know, we see Neo basically get carried by the machines to go into the Matrix and finish off the Agent Smith infection and we see trinity basically get impaled by rebarb in the hovercraft but somehow or another we see at the beginning of this teaser trailer that neo is talking to what sounds like neil patrick harrison which we know is going to be in this movie and saying that he's seeing visions from a previous life or something that he's not really familiar with he just knows it's not his life um and he's talking about events from the first three matrix movies and we also isn't this like the point though like when this is what happens when to bring it to perspective to people that follow like at least that i know that i'm friends with that that are familiar with this type of mentality when we get into like spoilers and like thinking of like like collective theories on like what could happen in movies doesn't this just open like that that can of worms like doesn't it just make you feel like pandora's box opens with all the thoughts and possibilities like think about like marvel and like the like us trying to piece together end scenes and and things like that like don't you feel like you have so many like is this a prequel or or is is this an alternate reality like what do you think like where do you feel like it goes so i think this is definitely i think it's a sequel and mm-hmm. the reason I'm not really sure how that works out, but for, you know, we could see in the trailer that he's taking a bunch of blue pills and it seems to be repressing his memories as to who he was. Now, if this was a prequel, it definitely wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility because we know that in the original movies, Morpheus t- says that Neo is not the first one, meaning he's not the one to fulfill the prophecy that, you know, and the Matrix. So this could be a, a previous version of Neo, but based on how he's acting and that we see Trinity in the movie as well, in the trailer, I'm assuming that this has to be a sequel. Like, doesn't does it make you think that it's more like, okay, we're we're witnessing what's happening in the real world, quote unquote, like depicted in the first three movies? Like maybe maybe we have like resonance and stuff like that to like previous movies, and then like we're getting snippets of what's happening in the real world at the same time as as that's going on like do you think it's like a dual movie yeah i think that this is mostly happening in the matrix itself just because we get to see like little like snippets of like what looks to be neo fighting a younger version of morpheus and not only is he fighting him but he's actually whooping him like we're like ruthlessly yeah and, and that that could be one of the like when you pick one of the pills that could be one of the snippets that you get a picture of and it's pretty dope yeah, it is. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I definitely think most of this is happening in the, the Matrix because there's when you look at a lot of these teaser segments, one of them, you could definitely see a clean shaven Keanu Reeves, middle aged now. And that appears to be what he would look like in the actual real world where this, you know, this John Wick look he's got with the long hair and the beard and everything is probably the Matrix. I, I'm excited. And I know like we were going over different movies that could possibly be coming out that could excite us. And this just seems like one of those that like, it pays homage to what we've already witnessed, but can also bring in like people who like John wick and like movies where Keanu has been prominent in roles like that, where he he's the, he's the, the voice of reason to bring you into this movie. And, and if it is a sequel, like we think that it is going to be, they'll tie it in, in the movie. So it'll bring you up to speed very quickly. I believe 
to make it so that it's understood by all audiences, you know? Without question. I think that because uh, the director who's making this is Lena Wachowski, one of the original sisters who made the original three movies. The other sister did not come back for this one, which is a little surprising to some people. So I think she's definitely going to make this tailored to people who didn't see the first three movies and, you know, legacy fans as well. But my real concern is that Lena Wachowski hasn't done anything of note since 2012 in Cloud Atlas. So I'm really hoping that this is not just a movie to do some fan service and a quick money grab because that would be super depressing. Yeah, you'd be doing a disservice to what she's already produced for for what the franchise was already. So yeah, I feel that. And like, you hate to see that anyway, no matter what movie, no matter what scenario. Like, you don't want it to just be like, like a little shtick and then like it's done and over with. Like, yeah, that, 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 like an exit. Like, there's no point in that. You know, that doesn't do anything for the movie. It doesn't do anything for the plot line. Like, make it worth our while, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you you know, you hear a lot of people talking about this because this is like, you know, the Matrix ref- like formed sci-fi movies going into the 2000s. Oh, and- it was a total revolution. It, it made it it made it that almost like it, it's funny to say because of what the Matrix is and what it represents in like a mind and like a like a third eye type of type of mentality. But like it opens it opened us as kids and young adults to a world where like is everything you're seeing real and then you have to think about all the things that branched off of that or like is this a simulation how much of that is a meme nowadays you know what i mean <laughs> sure. absolutely so. i think one of the things they're gonna have to bring with this movie too is cutting edge graphics and and you know special effects because that's really what made the matrix big you know nobody in 1999 was seeing people like slow dodge bullets and stuff like that and do backflips in slow motion now they're gonna have to go above and beyond that so i hope they have you know, the budget to pull something like that off. Yeah, they just have to hire The Rock and everything will be an explosion. It'll be great. No, yeah, I mean, The Rock only seems to do, you know, movies that start with the word jungle. So, I mean... <laughs> he's he's limited himself, okay? He might be yeah. going back to WWE soon, so he's got to be careful. But, yeah. So, I listen, I found this article, and I was going to hit you with it. And I'm just going to name... It's just... The, the article is titled The Craziest Matrix, Matrix 4 Theories We've Heard. And... I just want to rattle off like three or four of them and just be like, you know what, dude, like, do you even see this being a possibility? And if you have no idea, just be like, dude, don't even just throw that out the window right now. Okay. (laughs) Here's my first one for you. It's a prequel showing how the machines took over. Possibility. I would say the only thing that makes it a possibility is the fact that young Morpheus is there, but the fact that it doesn't look like we see sentinels and they look like they're fully developed in the, in the teaser segment. So I would say, no, that is not a possibility. Okay. So Uh, you said, I thought it was a Terminator movie plot line. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why we're just going to throw it out. Okay. So what about this one then? It's an alternate timeline, but it's a reboot. So we're going to start from the beginning, but it's a different timeline. Like (laughs) Spider-Man. I think that's everybody's worst fear, but you know what? totally possible yeah and, uh, that would be hard on on a lot of the fans that are looking forward to it <laughs> i think and everybody is tiptoeing around the word reboot yeah nobody and wants to say it that would be like one of those like mind f's at the end of a movie where you're piecing it all together at like the same time and you're just thinking to yourself like oh god oh god no oh oh no it happened you know like that'd be like the last would, the yeah. last six minutes we'd, we'd walk out we'd get up and walk out toss my popcorn to the person next to me and run out <laughs> Um, the only person not afraid of the word reboot is Kevin Smith right now. Yeah, That's for now. That's 100% true. We could talk about that too next week if you want, buddy. But yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, for real. Um, here's another one for you. Neo is the new Agent Smith. 
wouldn't that be something? I, I think that, you know, I think that there's definitely something like Agent Smith controlling Neo at this time. So could he be being manipulated to be that? Absolutely. I, I don't I don't mind that theory at all. Okay, cool. So it's something interesting that we could at least take into it with an open mind to be like, okay, that would kind of be a nice plot twist, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand why they're putting so much emphasis on pills. Could it be a possibility that the red pill was the right one all along? And not, they could be like, hey, you know what? He took the blue pill at the beginning. None of this actually happened. And that, that would, would really That suck. would also really, really suck. Um, here's another one for you, then, to go along the lines of, like, twists and turns. Morpheus has been the true villain all along. Oh, that would break my heart. That would really it? would. But Wouldn't it? I, I guess that would explain why he's young again, because maybe he himself was a virus and the whole Oracle thing and everything. It, it took, he took it down. I, you know, that would suck, but is it possible? Absolutely. And I feel like that's why it's so hard right now to figure out what's going on with this teaser trailer, because there's just so many different variations of it, but I definitely think tomorrow we're going to have a better idea. Of what, uh, what one of these is realistic and which one is not. You know why like this theory is like is conducted? I'll, I'll give you like some theory like prints as to why people say that. So sure. Morpheus himself is named after a Greek god, okay, associated with dreams and sleep, which goes along with the theme of the Matrix. So that's fine, right? But it's often referred referred to as the fashioner or the shaper. So they're thinking like maybe it's like a twist, like a person that's like being devious. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then like also his ship is named after a biblical king. Mm -hmm. of Babylon known as a conqueror. So in the Bible, the biggest victory was destroying and enslaving the population of the city called Zion, right? So sure. we would just associate Zion to the Matrix, him being a bad guy, overtaking the city, actually being a bad guy. So that's where the theory comes from. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of biblical references in the Matrix, the first three Matrix movies for sure. Mm -hmm. I always thought that the reason that he was named Morpheus was because he was really shaping the Matrix and bringing people to life again and just kind of tearing down the system. I mean, he was the guy who was the Awakener. But the fact that he is the Awakener was never really explained very well. So, I mean, we could have something there. Yeah. Um, here, here's one that's wacky for you. I'm going to give you one that's wacky. I'm going to give you one that is meme-ish, okay? Here's the wacky one. Neo and Trinity have computerized imitations of themselves. That is wacky. Oh, my God. Pretty wacky, um, right? Yeah, I, I just know. No way. <laughs> I, Either of like, them is actually them. They both died and come back, and they're idealized as versions of themselves. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see a reality where when they died, their their like consciousness got uploaded to the Matrix, and it's not really them. It's just kind of like you know something like like a Neuralink thing, like your brain is inside of something, but you're yes. actually dead. That's what the theory is: is that like I, even though yeah. you died in the Matrix, die in real life, but you're materialized into the game. Your DNA is coded in the game and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, if that is the case, then I, the the whole teaser I saw with him being, you know, kind of clean shaven, it, yeah, that would kind of be very confusing because there's no doubt that looked like it's the real world. It looks like he's in raggedy clothes, just like he was in the first one. So, is it possible? I, I'm 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 thinking it could be, but I really hope it's not. Yeah, I'm, I I no I I know. Listen again, it's a wacky one, and I. No, I don't think that's possible. But yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because I thought you'd think that that was like very interesting to like twist that way. You know what I'm saying? And that's the great thing about Matrix fans is that they're really trying to get into like the mind games of it because that's what the Matrix really is. It's like what is real, what is not. And I think that the teaser really hit on the head on that as to trying to get you to think what is reality here? Oh, dude, you're going to love this one. Then you ready for this last one I have for you? There's more, mm -hmm. but I think this one's going to be fun. John Wick is Neo. <laughs> <laughs> 
I hope there's no dog in this movie because if that's the case, we're all in for a rough time. I, it's funny because it's like this. The this theory leans heavily on fanish wish fulfillment. <laughs> like, yes, we all want we all want the meme to come true that John Wick is Neo. It's, it's kind of like the Leonardo DiCaprio's movies where they call kind of all like there's theories like do they lead into each other? Yeah, like he he drowns in the Titanic, but he comes back in the Great Gatsby and he's floating on the shore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that's where we're at with that one. That is where we're at. Yep. Listen. I appreciate it so much coming onto the podcast, giving your insight into something that you know a lot about. I'm a person that like I say it every week. I don't know. I know a lot of things and I don't know everything about certain things. So I try to broaden my horizons. I try to get involved in a lot of different stuff. I think having you on to be like a guy that is into not only not only movies alone, but video games, uh, being pertinent in the community. I think it's like super helpful that you give some insight and, uh, you know, maybe we can make this like more of a regular thing where you can give your insight. You're not a dumb guy. You also know your sports. You're very well versed in a lot of things. So dude, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the effort and, you know, everybody that's listening, give a shout to rotator chip for thank and thank him for, uh, joining us on this podcast. Thanks so much for joining me this week. Absolutely. Thank you for having me guys. We're back. And Timmy, if you could lead us on final thoughts, please. Yeah. Final thoughts. Um, uh, sorry. I almost fell asleep there. <laughs> Welcome back to reality. <laughs> on, uh, it was a good conversation, Timmy. Don't, don't sell it short. Come on. No, it, it was a very good conversation. I have never seen a single matrix movie. Um, Same, Timmy, don't worry. I, no, I knew what was being said. <laughs> I just, I was just smiling and waving. I'm like, these are my friends. Uh, <laughs> Um, right, final, final thoughts, thoughts. Timmy. Uh, NFL's uh, coming up, so everyone enjoy the hype as we lead into the first weekend of uh, the games, and everyone have a good time. Geller, final thoughts. Final thoughts is uh, it, we didn't get to talk about this today, but I, I want to talk about it next week. Is It's playoff season for NASCAR. Big weekend at Darlington this past week. A lot of tr- controversy. Kyle Busch being... Uh, find fifty thousand dollars for recklessly driving through the garage area. It's it's the best time for racing. Next gen cars on the way. NASCAR season coming to a close. Kyle, final thoughts. Uh, all in all, I think that the buzz and the hype for the NFL season is awesome. Um, I think we get the opportunity to start fresh, brand new, and I feel like we get to enjoy our teams for the first couple of weeks until they fall apart like the Giants. What I'm most excited about going in the future is being able to expand my thoughts, bring in other people, give us some more insight onto different topics. I really appreciate talking about a movie that I haven't really fully invested myself in since it originally came out um, in the trilogy of the matrix. So for me, theories, I'm all about conspiracies. I'm all about it. So like going into that talk that my final thoughts are I'm digging it and I'm really enjoying it. So hopefully we get to bring that into our conversations. Mark, final thoughts. Final thoughts, uh, big weekend for us, sporting with NFL. Uh, anybody wants a quick, easy seven-point teaser, take the Buccaneers, the San Francisco 49ers spread against the Lions, and the, as we said earlier, the Rams spread against the uh, Bears. Tease it all seven points. It's three pick games, so you get the Bucks, the 49ers, and the Rams. It's plus 130 on that. Also like the Tennessee Titans this weekend against the Arizona Cardinals. Also love the Green Bay Packers over the New Orleans Saints. And if you're looking to get spicy, I am also a big fan of the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night against the Ravens. But just and these are spreads. I'm talking about take the spreads money line if you're the favorites. But obviously gamble responsibly, gamble smart. 
only wager you you can do, all that, all that bullshit. But no, don't forget they, that you can follow Clark for his picks, his gambling advice, his uh, his teasers, and everything um, at x Clark fourteen x um, on Twitter. And he also you can follow his picks that he inputs in on the app. Which, if I don't forget off the top of my head, the app that you use is. It's the action app. Again, like Kyle said, it's at Clark14X, X-C-L-A-R-K, 14X on the action app. You can track all of my, uh, any bets I place in real time. You guys can follow them and keep track. And uh, let's have a good year. As always, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being part of the Hags Hangout community and listening to the podcast. We love to see it. Everybody have a great night. Thank you.